We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How much juice does Stefan Diggs have left in the tank for the Buffalo Bills? We'll hit on that and plenty more today coming up on Talking Buffalo. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. My name is Patrick Moran. Thank you very much, as always for locking in, whether you're watching, listening, following, subscribing. I appreciate y'all very much. I am joined right now for a second consecutive Monday. My man, Joe from Queens at Buffalo Wins on Twitter. Last week was kind of like a little bit of shock value to a lot of people. This week, this is like kind of becoming a thing now, man. What's going on? How you doing? Uh, We'll see what happens if it's really a thing. We'll see. (laughs) I I don't know yet. I I still... A lot of trepidation, to be honest with you, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, it's good to have you on, man. Um, again, thank you, everybody, for, for locking in as well. We're going to talk about Stefan Diggs today, the good, the bad, the ugly of him, his production, how it's really fell off at the end of last season. Is that kind of an anomaly? Is that a scheme thing? Is that the player's age and just the talent and the wear and tear? We'll kind of dive into that here uh just a few minutes. couple quick hits here at the top before we get into the, the meat and potatoes of today's episode. I want to shout out, um, just talked to you earlier today. You didn't know about it at the time, but, uh, Jonah Broadstein, a local media guy, pretty good guy too, man. Um, I was listening to Tim Graham's show over the course of the weekend and I didn't know either, but come to learn that, uh, Jonah suffered a heart attack, um, a couple of weeks ago. He had chest pain and went to urgent care or whatever, and got transferred to a, to a hospital. And, um, yeah, he had a heart attack, he's got a stent put in, but, you know, knock on wood, um, all's well with him so far, doing good. But, um, yeah, man, thoughts definitely with uh, Jonah. They, you brought this up to me when we were talking earlier. Young, too, man. That's, that's, that's young to be having yeah, he's, heart issues like that. he's around our age, or at least mine. It's just, uh, yeah, yeah I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, geez, you know, it puts things in perspective, especially when you're a dad or a new dad like me. And sure. you're just like, man, I'm 44, and it's just I, I have to I have to get my health in order. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm sure you feel the same way. You know, in terms of that. Sure. 
yeah, that's definitely a wake up call. Um, like I said, and too on the podcast, what I really liked about it, and I I listen to Tim's show regularly when I can. Um, I didn't know about it, but what I really appreciate about that episode, and I would advise everybody out there to go tune in. If for no other reason, Jonah was pretty open and honest uh, about everything that, that happened and just talking about lifestyle changes that need to be made and and stuff like that. I thought it was a really good, um, candid, open conversation that he had uh, with Tim. Anyway, shout out to him. Yeah, also, I just got the uh, uh, those push-up things for Valentine's Day, which I asked for my wife to get me. Like those push-up personal things. push-ups, it's like the things you go down and you twist. Oh, like, yeah, I, yeah. I'm like, this is what how I can try to get in shape or get better because, man, the days of you know being young and I used to get wasted and then get up with a hangover and go, I'm going to the gym, I'll be fine. Like I could never do any of that. If I got a hangover, I'd be out for two days. <laughs> so, so kids, enjoy your youth, is what I'm saying. Sure, and you know it's funny too we get older here it's lifestyle not much has changed like my eating habits have never really changed i've always been a pretty shitty eater the difference is when i was in my 20s or even early 30s my uh my my wife i mean i was in the bar business so i would be getting home at one two three o'clock in the morning and we'd be having she'd be making me rigatoni full ass heavy meals at two three in the morning never gained any weight because i had a really high metabolism if i got older that metabolism's gotten so much lower. Now, if I even look at something the wrong way, I put on a quick two, three pounds. But yeah, man, I mean, you bring up a real good point. Just uh, it's never too early or too too young, I should say, to uh, to still take care of you your You want to talk about like eating at like a restaurant? So I used, I've said this before. I used to own a pizzeria, or my parents did. And as a 13-year-old, I was like a little chubby, like a little chubby. And then when I got, to start working at my parents' shop. I worked there like twice, twice a week, basically on the weekends. And I went there and I was just angry eating. And I used to eat at the age of 14. I'd get in there, I'd have a slice of pizza. Then I have a julienne salad, which was like ham, turkey, provolone, lettuce, tomatoes, everything, ranch dressing. And then like an hour and a half later, I would have a full like sub. Yeah, and like a hamburger or something, something greasy and disgusting. And I ballooned up when I was in high school at that point. And I blame the pizza place for that. And then when <laughs> I lost weight, it was like in college. And I just started like, okay, like chicken salad, maybe a slice, just cake it easy and not go a four course meal. Like I was going to Labradam or some crap like that i was so hungry but that was just <laughs> um well like i said jonah had a heart attack fortunately he's still around he lived to tell about it um couple sad items before we dive into stefan here i could hear like so on the video side I, maybe you could see this uh real quick because i got some brand new gear while we're doing the show i know you said that you were having an echo i could tell you that there's nothing wrong on the audio side like everything's coming through perfect on on the mixer. So whatever you got going on over there, hopefully you can, as long as you can deal with that, everything is perfect here on this side. Now, now you're muted though. So now I can't hear you. I figured it out. I had this on. Okay. I figured it out. I had my, my headset on and that's why it was acting weird. So I think it's fine now. So, all right. So we're good, man. Um, I, I wanted to also bring up last week, uh, one of the all time great and colorful controversial, sports media figures in Buffalo passed away too. Uh, the coach, Chuck Dickerson, 
long time of football coach, of course, with the Buffalo Bills as well, but also a long time WGR radio host. And like I said, one of the most candid, colorful and crazy people that I that I've ever heard on the air. And I know you kind of have a little bit of a connection to him, don't you? A little bit. I mean, I wouldn't say a giant connection. I just was an intern at GR yeah. back in 2002. And I was uh, I was the afternoon intern. And I basically was there from, I would say, like two to six. And I only met him once because at that point, this was like 2002. Like I said, he was doing his show. And I don't think a lot of people knew this. He was doing his show during the winter from Florida, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Because back then, like, think about this 22 years ago. There was no such thing as really like internet radio. And but they built a studio for him, I guess. And I was like, I went there. I was like, where's his, his studio? And he's like, oh, they're in, he's in Florida. And I was like, okay, cool. And, you know, I didn't really, you know, it was like once or twice a week I would come in and then I met him once and he was a really nice, he was a really nice guy, a uh, big dude. Uh, and he had dogs with him when I met him, which was kind of like, oh, wow, you can bring, bring your dog to work day. I guess if you're Chuck Dickerson, you can, you can do that. Um, he also, it was, you know, that that whole time period of like talk radio, like in the 90s, like that's really what cemented me as a big like a, not a sports fan, but someone who like did want to dabble into like sports media at sure. certain times in my life because I was a big radio guy as a kid. I didn't really read the newspaper all that much. My family was from Italy. They didn't read the paper. That was my line of like TV and radio. And like during that heyday of, of GR and you know, they had NSA and and before that, BEN, and people may not know this, but BEN and WGR were owned by two different companies at the time, and they both did sports and talk on both stations. And Dickerson was on GR from like three to seven, I believe it was, or three to six. I don't remember, to be honest with you. And like BEN, I forgot who they had uh, before that, but then they had a merger and they all, they, they bought their, uh, you know, the competition basically. And then NSA came out of there, but that dude was a, he was a psycho. If you want me to be, a, he was just, I don't, I don't know. He was, I think of the scene in private parts, Howard Stern's movie where like they're talking to like where pig vomit wants to get Howard Stern fire basically. And he's talking yeah. to like the, the audience person and the audience person is like something along the lines of like 60% of the people who hates Howard Stern are still listening to them because they want to see what he, he says us. And I totally believe there are people who were hate listening to Chuck Dickerson sure. because there were times he was just like, and he was an a-hole like, you know, and he was like, this guy hates the bills, but he's funny and kind of entertaining. And, and at times he, he was had a little a beef. Bit- he had a beef with Marv, man. I mean, that was a legit beef. Like they didn't like each other. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing. Like, it's funny when when they when they had their tips because he coached the Bills from. I want to say Marv brought him in, and he was there until the Washington Super Bowl, and that was the one thing. It was it was the funny thing about the Washington Super Bowl, and if you watched Four Falls for Buffer, they talked about it. How he said, like, you know, he made fun of the ha- the Washington defensive line, which I didn't even think it was a big deal. Like, he just made fun of it, and sure. it wasn't. And at that time, I don't even remember it that big of a deal. I remember that Super Bowl week. The biggest deal was Thurman Thomas ghosted the media and was pissed off because uh, Ten March Broder had said that that Jim Kelly was the team MVP. And at that time, I don't know what Thurman was. I think he was trying to look for something to be pissed off about to motivate mm-hmm. him. And he was pissed off and he blew off the media. And if you ever looked up the archives of like Peter King's articles from that Super Bowl afterwards, he laid in the Thurman like this dude isn't he's not mature enough. Blah 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 because he blew them off. And then like. 
you know, four falls made it a big deal. Like they 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 kind of acted like he like they the big reason they lost that Super Bowl was Washington was really pumped up. And I was kind of like, it's a Super Bowl. Like, I don't care what's happening in your life, you're gonna be pumped up. You don't need Chuck Dickerson to kind of get you through. But, anyways, he got canned from there, you know, they said because of that. And he he just yeah, he laid into Marv. He laid into everyone. And I I one of the funniest things I remember used to I used to work at my parents' pizzeria. This is like in the summertime, or even like when I became like 18, 19 years old. We put it on the radio and we kind of went between like NSA and 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 coach. I, I think if if I wanted to feel pissed off, like I was pissed off at the Bills or Bills, I'd be like, oh, we gotta listen to him because he, you know, he's he's speaking my language because he's angry. And if they, it was positive, I kind of like would go because there were times where I thought he was being a little bit too contrived with his take. Sure, he used to hate like you want to talk about media, media crime. Like he used, I remember he used to do a yearly show. It was called like the Media Ass Kissers Award or something like that. And basically, every he would he would take calls from people and they would just come be on and they're like, I hate Ed Kilgore because of this, that, or the other thing. And he'd be egging him on. He hated everyone. Like he, I remember he used to tell. Mike Show. He used to call him Mike Show when he was on NSA. He called him Schmuck Show. He goes, "Oh yeah, that Schmuck Show. He's vanilla and screw him." And then he called Howard Simon Noball no Simon, and and like I would, I would be dying laughing at how like like how this is. And I'm I'm thinking to myself today, like there is no way anyone would like you. And his beef beefs were with like those guys were like a hundred times worse than like what you well, see, see like today. And, yeah today. And maybe more of it was contrived. Like he he seemed like. He was definitely more in that line of an entertainer, whereas today I feel like a lot of people on GR like coming. Their personalities are more like hosts. They're not. They're not like as contrived as that as he was. It, it felt to me a little bit. But he was an X's and O's guy, which is kind of ahead of his time. Like at that point, like he would talk about like the film because that was one thing. Like I felt he was a, a bit of a dick about because he he kind of was like I watched. The, I know the I know the game because I've been a coach, which. You know, and like he cut people off and on the phone and all that sort of thing. And he also, he also like hated Flutie a lot. Like he was, you could do a social experiment during that era about how the media kind of like dictates how you feel. Cause I really firmly believe that the, that the way that Buffalo turned on Doug Flutie a little bit during that time was because of D- WGR, because that, that whole station could not stand him from day one, hated him. And he was the he was. It did not matter if he had a good game or not. He would come on the radio and bury Flutie and like go after him. And and he may have been right at the end because at the end of the of Flutie's time there, people I think thought he was a bit of an egomaniac, etc. But he he kind of, they kind of egged that thing on, and like it was hilarious to me because once when Flutie got cut and left, he like turned on Rob Johnson in like two seconds and like hated Rob Johnson right away after he built up Rob Johnson as like the second coming. He was like, Oh, screw this guy. He was, he, I remember, I remember cause I was listening to him and he was like, I don't like him because he was upset because he did a, a an interview in sports Illustrated in a hot tub and kind of like this old boomer take of like, Oh, he's in a hot tub the hell with him. And you know, he was done with him, but he was, he was, it was, there were a lot of people who did not, he was a lightning rod. Like he was sure. a character. I don't know what you, how you felt, like how much you listened to him, but we, I listened to him a lot. Like, like I went back and forth, like I said, between NSA and, and GR, like from that three to seven slot. You, you would tune in to, to hear what, what you, whether you liked him or whether you hated him, you would tune in to see what he would say next. He was kind of a hot take machine before being a hot take machine was fashionable. And I remember too, 
you know, sometimes when you have, a, you know, a little kid and you're, if you're an asshole of a kid, you would pick on a kid only because you know you're going to get a reaction. You you say the wrong thing, he's going to start crying. You make fun of him, you get him going on purpose. You, you wind him up on purpose. I'll never forget one of my favorite coach memories or just WGR memories. I don't remember how old we were. I'm just talking like right after the Washington Super Bowl, so early 90s. I actually wasn't a kid. I was a young adult by this point. I guess a stone, part of the stoner age. But me and my buddy um, Scully would call the radio Scully. station on purpose. That's my guy, man. And he would, Scully would intentionally say something. He didn't even believe it. He, his sole attention was to rile the coach up. Like I remember specifically, it might have been before the third or the fourth Super Bowl, but it was trade Andre Reed while the guy had any value because his value is only going to plummet. You got to trade him. And just a, a couple other really dumb, intentionally dumb sports takes, which I'm sure today the guys on the radio, the guys and the girls, not just in Buffalo, but all the radio stations, they get people like us used to do that. Just have really dumb, stupid takes on purpose to try to get a, a rise out of them. But anyway, you would wind the coach up and say the wrong thing and he would just start screaming on the air and having one of his rants. That would be our goal to say something dumb enough to get him to have one of his classic rants on the air. Yeah, I remember one time I went. So <clears throat> the, the, probably the most famous game I ever went to as a Bills fan was I went to Jim Kelly's last game. It was the Jaguars, the Jaguars game in the playoffs. They mm -hmm. lost heading to that game. I don't think anyone thought the Bills were losing. I think like no. Jacksonville just made the playoffs. Second year team. Yep. You didn't really know them that well because they were just like a bunch of young guys and the Bills lost. It was shocking. And I remember leaving the parking lot. It was me and my sister and my dad. My sister like was a Phil Bills fan, but she didn't listen to radio all that much. And we put it on GR, and he was he was furious. He was giving them hell. And I just remember this girl called into the show, and she gave one of these like poetic, like you know, the Bills might be down, but we still love them, and they're great. And you know, we got to stick behind them. And then Dickerson goes, "You know what? Enough of that shit. Like not shit, but he's like, enough of that crap. Why don't you go go to the back of a room with a rose and read some poetry? We just got our asses kicked, and they're terrible, and blah blah blah." And I, I remember my sister looked at me and goes, "Who the hell's this guy right now yelling at this girl for?" And I was like, "Yeah, he's uh he's pretty intense, I guess. Uh, but yeah, he was he was intense, and I'm surprised like never like he was done. I think in '03 was when." You know, I don't. I had moved in 02 and 0, and that's when Shope came to GR, and they both had their own show for like not even a year. I think if, if memory serves me, they had like a year, and then like Dickerson was on sporadically. I think like after football games, like on Monday mornings for like me a year or two, but like he he kind of fell off the face of the earth a little bit. Like yeah. he never did like like other media. He never got on the podcast circuit or any of that. Like. I remember Tim Grant had a story about him a couple years ago, like a random story. And, and he, the thing I remember from that grand piece was that the reason why they let him go, they fired him. They, they reworked the whole GR crew was because this GR was getting into business with the Sabres. And the rumor was that the Sabres did not want him at all to be a part of that whole spiel, yeah. you know? And that's what that was in Graham's article. I remember a couple years ago, cause he used to, that was the thing. Like Dickerson knew football. Like I'll give him credit. He was a blowhard. He knew football. He did not know hockey at all. And like I think people knew that and read. And he tried to like act like it a little bit. And I think he was. I, if I remember, like his his hockey takes were always just like he hated Hashik. That was what I remember. He hated Hashik. Like he was like always weak, weak minded, and you know he would always say he's a you know insult him. That's what I kind of remember him about his hockey stuff. And uh, 
but yeah, he never came out. Like we never really heard about him afterwards. He was, yeah. I mean, he was an old man. I mean, I thought, I think he, I don't, I forgot what age he's he was. 81. He's 81. 81. Now. He was 81. Now he was 81. So yeah, he was like at six in his late sixties. You never really heard about him, I guess, mm-hmm. like in terms of like, no one really gave him another shot. Like, you know, at least, at least Howard Simon, he's still doing stuff for like channel seven. Right. He, he, he drops in as a podcast here and there, but like, Chuck was done. I mean, you know, you never heard from him again. But one of the yeah. uh, one of my regrets, many regrets, when it comes specifically to this podcast, was at least not attempting to to reach out over the last five years or so. Even if he said no or whatever, or ignored my request, I kind of regret not reaching out to try to get him to be on the show and have an interview with him. That would have probably been some some good stuff. But anyway, rest in peace, Coach. Also, some sad news on Sunday. Uh, Chris Mortensen from ESPN died. Uh, one of the all-time great NFL insiders. I loved watching him on TV. That so that really sucks. But um, all right, let's dive into some uh, some Stefan Diggs talk here. Before we talk about like the potential that he has fallen off a cliff, let's just talk for a few minutes about how great he's been since he's gotten to Buffalo. Uh, you know, you trade a, a first round pick, I believe a first and a fourth for him. And it just, it's went down as one of the all time great trades. And I know there's a lot of people out there who are like, well, they could have gotten Justin Jefferson. You don't know that the bills are going to draft Justin Jefferson. If they didn't make that trade for Diggs. they could have taken Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager went one pick in the draft before Justin. So that's hearsay. And we'll never know that. But anyway, Stefan Diggs, four years in Buffalo, 66 games. 445 receptions, 5,272 yards, 37 touchdowns. He's already fourth all-time in franchise history in receptions and um, receiving yards. So he's already up there amongst the all-time greats. He's a two-time All-Pro uh, pro player. I get that right. All-Pro player, 2020-2022. He's averaged 81 yards receiving a game for the Bills throughout his career. Then that includes the slide at the end of the season factored in as well. His 127, I could go on for days, bro, with these numbers. 127, 108, 107, 104. His receptions are the top four single season in franchise history. And he has the first, second, 11th, and 12th most receiving yard seasons in franchise history. Before we dive into any potential negative stuff with Stefan, just talk about the addition that he's been to the Buffalo Bills over the first four years to trade and just the value that he's brought in to Josh Allen in this organization. Before Diggs came to Buffalo, Josh Allen was an ordinary quarterback. You cannot deny that. Okay. 2018, Josh was a rookie. He was all over the place. Sure. He had like one or two good games, but he was raw, like rawer than meat uh, in terms of what he did. 2019, the Bills made the playoffs. Allen was better, but he wasn't like 300-yard game Allen yet. He was just a guy I felt that highlights, highlights, highlights. Get, he got touchdowns, but I I remember that year the Bills had like maybe like six or seven games. They maybe had like two offensive touchdowns or few or something like that. Maybe half. It was sure. not, and that was when you you, you couldn't go on Twitter and, it, and not get into an argument with someone about Allen because you had the Allen stands and then you had people who were like, you know, he's okay, but like he had his crew then. They make the trade for Diggs, and everything just clicked. And he went for, to another level, Josh Allen. And I think you can't, you cannot sit here and go without Stephon Diggs. Josh Allen would be the same guy. Like he, I don't think he would be. Okay, I just, I think that's 
that's the importance of having a number one wide receiver. And you look across the NFL and you see like within the last two, three years, like wide receivers getting dealt like Adams from Green Bay to the Raiders. What happened to Aaron Rodgers? His numbers went down in Green Bay that final year. Go to um, uh, Jalen Brown. Leaves, leaves the Titans. Tannehill at that point was modest, good. He leaves there. What happens to Tannehill? He goes downhill. Like there are like you can go through history and talk about sure. wide receivers leaving and where their numbers are. Aside from Brady, like you know who like you can put anyone in that offense for the most part. It's 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 there, and I think Diggs his impact on the Bills. He's a good teammate. I know there's a lot of conjecture. We'll get into that about whether he is or not, but it feels like he's a good teammate and he cares and he's there and he works hard and his numbers have been outstanding and I. You know, I, I debate this. Like, if you put the top three wide receivers in Bills history, it's easy to come up with that top three. It's Molds, Reed, Diggs. Where you put those top three, I don't even know, to be honest with you, because that's a tough, like, you got longe- you got longevity on one part with Andre Reed. You got Eric Molds with, he had 25 different quarterbacks, it felt like, throwing him the ball, but he had some great years. Then you have Diggs, who you just roll off the stats about how he's all-time single-season guy, like in that, like, everything. And it's that's a tough three. That's a tough. That's a tough way to to figure out who is the sure. best of those uh, and ranking those three. But yeah, he's been he's been important, and he's done it a lot with not the best supporting cast at wide receiver, you know, out there. Like in terms of he's not he doesn't have like a I I don't think he's ever had really a Robin here. You know, it was supposed to be Gabe Davis. It's supposed to be well, John Cole Brown. Beas- Cole Beasley for for, for oh, yeah, a while. I'll give him uh, one season. He had Cole Beasley at his, mm-hmm. at his best, sure, but then he got hurt. That last year he was here and it's kind of mediocre, but he doesn't. It's he, I don't think he's had like it's not like a Waddle Hill situation in Miami where you have two like sure there, you know. So yeah, he's been very important, and I think that's a, it's, it's a reason why it's hard Do you for think anyone he's taken for granted. Do you think Stefan Diggs has been so good in Buffalo for the last four years that fans, to some extent, maybe the media too, to an extent at least, almost take the greatness that he's given this team uh, for granted. You know, we could talk about Andre Reed, and you you are right, by the way. The top three receivers, what order you want to have, I guess it depends on what kind of mood you're feeling that day. But this yeah. guy, all four of his seasons have been as good or better than anything Andre Reed ever did in his career. Now, I know football is different today sure. than it was back then as well. But I don't know. The bar's just so high with this guy. And again, we're going to talk about some of the, the issues with him in just a few here. But I I almost feel like it's taken for granted. The the fans almost, and probably me as well. We all take him for granted to some extent, just how good he's been for this team. I don't think fans have taken him for granted. I, I mean, look, I'm not going to pretend I'm combing the desert in Buffalo asking people for that. Uh, I think there's, I think the media has taken him for granted a little bit. And I think a part of that is, and I've talked about this before, he does not have a great relationship with the local guys in Buffalo. He doesn't. He's he's no. ghosted them a, a few different times. I think part of like how this hall kind of bubbled up to the surface was because of that. Because people were like, what's what's up with Diggs making his you know his stupid shrug thing in the in the playoff game like this giant spectacle, which it really wasn't. I mean, it was like the dude just shrugged his hands up in the air and, and on the sidelines. Like I've seen way worse than that. We saw Chris Kelsey almost kill his coach in the Super Bowl. Okay, like. If that's Stephon Diggs, I don't give a shit what anyone says. If that's Stephon Diggs doing that in the Super Bowl, he would have got eviscerated, win, lose, or draw, because there would have been that that baggage of, oh, he he no showed the media a couple different times, and he's 
and he's unpopular within I do believe he is a little bit unpopular within the organization and, and certain junkets but I think it's definitely more on the media side of that uh I don't think the fans I think the fans really do like him from what I've seen on on Bill's X we'll call it you know he's done a lot and like Bill's fans are you know incredibly loyal to to players who are star players and he's a star player you can't deny that he is a star and people know who he is. He's a Pro Bowl caliber guy. He is a Pro Bowler. I mean, if, if a Pro Bowl mean, meant anything these days, but I, I, I don't think they've taken him for granted. I think I think certain parts of the media have taken him for granted. I think when you look at what he probably does, and look, I'm not combing the film. I'm not a film bro. You are actually not. So maybe you could talk about that if you wanted to. But like football one on one tells me when you have a guy like him and you got defenses taking him away, it opens it up for for guys like Dalton Kincaid or Shakir or, you know, Gabe Davis crowning achievement was a, a freaking playoff game, which I want to believe the chiefs were like, we're taking digs away from you and we're going to let Gabe Davis kill us. And Gabe Davis did kill them. So that's, that's what you get when you get a digs guy, even though he's not getting the ball. I like to think he's helping the other team out, the other players out on that field. Cause if Diggs gets hurt and you're rolling out there with like last year with Shakir and Gabe Davis, I mean, Kincaid, like, good luck, because I bet yeah. you they'd be running the ball 30 times probably. Um, You know, that's another good point that you just brought up, too. Among all the great accolades and numbers that um, I talked about a few minutes ago, he's also been incredibly reliable and steady and available. And, you know, a lot of receivers get hurt, but that has not been really the case with Stefan. But anyway, I'm going to take a real quick break, come back on the other side, and we're going to talk about some of the things that that definitely and legitimately for good reason too give us uh some cause for for concern going forward we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thank you. 
All right, I am back here on Talking Buffalo with Joe from Queens and also the baby in the background a little bit. That's it kind of makes for a natural podcast. I actually kind of like that. Every time I've ever had Chris Baker on, you could hear his dogs just walking all over the place. Uh, Anthony Marino diddle too. So it kind of makes it a more legitimate, authentic kind of sounding uh, podcast. It's verite. We have this TV expression in reality television called verite. It's like a day in the life. It's just kind of like, yeah. Very organic, and that's that's what it is right now. You know, it's uh, <laughs> very organic indeed. Yeah. Um, all right, so listen, Stefan Diggs last year specifically, uh, I got some numbers here. Weeks one through ten, when Ken Dorsey was the offensive coordinator, he had a hundred targets, seventy-three receptions for eight hundred sixty-eight yards and seven touchdowns. Weeks eleven through the playoffs, including the divisional round loss to Kansas City with Joe Brady when he took over. This is a nine-game span. 75 targets, 44 receptions, just 338 yards, and one touchdown. His last 13 games, including the playoffs, Stefan Diggs had zero games where he had 88 yards or receiving or more. In eight games, uh, eight of those, I should say, were fewer than 53 yards. Uh, his last 11 games, he had zero games where he had at least eight catches. And in five of his last 13 games, including uh, the playoffs, he connected, uh, Josh Allen connected on 50% or fewer of the targets to Stefan. So how much of this production, the dip in production, and I mean, the numbers kind of to some extent speak for themselves here. How much of that do you think is on the scheme? Um, the switch from Dorsey in season maybe to, to, um, to Joe Brady. So how much of it is scheme? How much of it is play calling? And how much of that is, do you just think it's the player wear and tear for, you know, four years of getting the ball as much? And maybe he, to some extent, broke down in the second half of the season. What do you think? I think a lot of it is dude's scheme. I, I really do. And I think it's just at that time, the Bills just went more of a conservative approach with, with just them running the football more. I think that's a big reason for why it happened. The numbers say so itself in terms of James Cook started going off a little bit more. Uh, there's also like snaps too. Like there was the one game I, I I think it was against New England, where he had the third fewest snaps of any wide receiver for the Bills on that day. Like Gabe Davis, Shakir had more, which I thought was super weird, and I, I couldn't get over that because I was like, why is this getting? Why is this guy getting less snaps? And I think the the Bills didn't really give it an idea. Some people were like, maybe it's blocking, and you know, Gabe Davis is this amazing down the field blocker, and and that sort of stuff. I just, I just feel like it just how he cha- it just changed a little bit of just how they used them, and they just weren't they weren't running running gunning it as much as they were before, you know. Like the the two games I think like they the offense the passing game was really good in was uh was the uh uh sorry the the Eagles and the uh the Dolphins game that's where I think he did the most. Mm-hmm. You're right. So. Got air. Yeah, no, I was, I was gonna, I was gonna mute and say like, I gotta shut the door. But go ahead. <laughs> no, so I, I agree with a lot of, of what you said. The target share, though, under Joe Brady was not that different than it was when it was under uh, Ken Dorsey. The difference is, like I said, the receptions and the um, the yards, and especially the touchdowns. Seven touchdowns weeks one through ten. One touchdown for the rest of the season, week eleven through the playoffs. Um. I think to some extent it's on the player. I mean, he was having a couple uncharacteristic drops, especially that one in Kansas City. And I think what 
concerns me the most about Stefan Diggs is his playoff runs the last three seasons, dude. The the three games that the Bills have been eliminated in, you look at the numbers in 2021, six targets, but he only had three receptions for seven yards. 2022, 10 targets, but he only had four catches for 35 yards. And then this past season, he had eight targets against the Chiefs. He only caught three passes for 21 yards. Three playoff elimination losses combined here. 24 targets, just 10 catches for 63 yards. That bothers me. How much of that do you think is the player? Again, and I'm sorry, Joe, but there are players, and I'm not saying this necessarily is Stefan, but or not just limited it to him. There's a lot of good players in sports that seem to play really well in the regular season and kind of fade away in the playoffs. Barry Bonds for years was notorious for sucking in the playoffs until he had one great run and he helped uh, the Giants win a World Series. Ditto for A-Rod. He had one magical playoff run with the Yankees. Besides that, A-Rod sucked in the playoffs. I look at Stefan Diggs and those are terrible numbers. I mean, those are freaking Andy Isabella type numbers that you would expect in playoff elimination losses. So how much of that really concerns you? And then I want to talk about kind of a, a player comparison, but those numbers suck in the playoffs. That's undeniable. Yeah, those are, those are really bad. And I think you also have to look at how Josh Allen fared in those games too. You know, he, the Bengals game, he didn't fare well in. I, well, two of the three, he played great though. I mean, the 21, 20, 2021 game against the chiefs and this year, maybe not great, well, that's the thing. He played well enough to win. Well, that's the thing with the Chiefs game. Like the th it's the 13 second game again. How much was it of of him being covered? Sure, helped out other guys. We never saw Gabe Davis. I mean, he had maybe he had like two games that came close, kind of close to that, I guess. You know, and how much does he does he else help out? But look, I, I don't want to. I don't want to be a wimp when I say like, yeah, it's it's not good for him. You're you're paid to be a clutch wide receiver in the playoffs. And, you know, he's had, like, I think two games off the top of my head that he was pretty good in. Like, the, Col the Colts game he was good in in, like, 2020, and then and then the Dolphins game last year. But that's it's it's far in between. It's not, it hasn't been that many. And I don't know why that's the case for the playoffs. You know, the Bills – you know, Josh Allen in the playoffs hasn't been that – like, he's – He's been he's been kind of up and down. Like the passing game has been up and down. So that's why I'm trying to say, like, how is it like is it on Diggs or is it on Allen? I I don't know in terms of that. But he deserves criticism for that. I mean, you're right in terms of like he is not they have he is not delivered in the playoffs for the most um, part. Um I would say I'll give him a pass for the 2022 playoffs because um Josh Allen was terrible against the Bengals. I mean, he was awful. Sure. He was maybe the worst player on the field, and there are a lot of candidates for that game. So I'll give him a pass for that. The weather wasn't good either. No, the weather wasn't good. And you could say 2021 didn't matter because Gabe Davis had 200 yards and four touchdowns. You could say maybe Steve Spagnola went all in on taking away Stephon Diggs that day and let Gabe Davis just run around completely free. But this past year, that Chiefs game, I, I thought he stunk. I'm just being no, completely he honest. Look. He was not good, and he dropped a, a bomb. He dropped a bomb in the fourth quarter on the last drive. Then they didn't score a touchdown on that drive, ultimately. They moved the ball after, and they could have scored, but they didn't. And if Stephon catches that ball, they take the lead. Yeah, that's – it's it's he was not good in that game. I mean, you, no. you can't deny it. I, I'll say this, though. That drop, like, pissed off a lot of people. Like, I, I just went on, like, I think – 
taking for granted Twitter. That that pissed off a lot of people. I think it's kind mm-hmm. of funny with him. This year, we saw Josh Allen miss a lot of deep throws this year, and yeah. I don't think I don't think any of the anguish. And I get it. Like that's a, that's a playoff game. This is probably why, but. There was way more vigor, like anger and shit like that in that in that for that drop way more than any of the Josh Allen overthrows combined, which, you know, again, maybe it was because it was the playoffs or maybe as you had insinuated before, maybe there's like a target on digs in terms of like hurry up. But maybe yeah, the I mean, media, Joe, maybe the media to 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 some extent, the ones out there that might be a little disenchanted with him, maybe that combined with the lack of production. I don't want to say it turned the fans against him. And I don't want to say it's all, oh, it's only because of the media or it's only because of the fans, this and that. Combination of a lot of things. And in complete fairness, Stefan Diggs sometimes doesn't do himself any favors. I, I know he doesn't have to answer a lot of these questions, and I'm not suggesting that he should, but maybe if he, I don't know, just had a, a statement a couple of differently or a couple of these cryptic tweets didn't exist and stuff like that, maybe you wouldn't be wondering how much the guy actually does love being in Buffalo. But at the same token, he has said it. I mean, how many times can he say the well, same the thing? He's, he, he, he said it a bunch already. And as I right. said, I think a lot of it is a little bit of the stirring of the pot where there are people so, who have a, a bit of a like they're not fans of his because he doesn't he's, he doesn't really talk to the media. But he did answer that. And he gets asked that a lot. And, you know, maybe it's, it's tough because I do think like the stuff t- with his brother, the stuff with his brother, his brother talking shit. And he just. I don't know what it maybe what is what he you, said. You or thought what he you thought say. he should have. You, you did you think Diggs should have? Because I remember that. Because I remember Graham got a lot of shit because Graham asked about that. Yeah, and then Diggs kind of blew it off like it's not a big deal. And I I was kind of on the mindset of like eh, I don't really care what the brother has to say. But then it's funny like two weeks ago I'm watching I'm watching what? ESPN I'm watching ESPN get up and like they were like giant drama in Big D in Dallas. I'm like, oh, what the hell's going on? And it was basically about the players, like siblings, not liking the other players. Like, I forgot who it was. Like, Dak's mom was dissing Micah Parsons, and then Micah Parsons' brother said some shit. And I was kind of like, I was like, who gives a shit what the family has to say about this? And they they made it into, like, it was a five-alarm fire on ESPN. And I don't want to say you have to take all your P's and Q's from ESPN. You probably shouldn't because they're desperate. They need programming more than anyone. But... I don't know. I, I I think back to that the brother stuff, and I was kind of like, eh. Well, I mean, he would. did say though. He did, Joe. He did. In fairness, the the, the brother digs for, from Dallas. He pretty much said he wanted. He was saying that Stefan wants out of Buffalo. You know, well, I don't think he Dallas, said he wanted. He I don't think Buffalo. he wanted out. He just said get him out out of Buffalo. Yeah, get him that's out of what, Buffalo. That's, that's, like he that. didn't. He didn't say I want him out. He wants out. Right, he right. You know, and then and then there was the weird stuff last year with Stephen A. Smith had the, the had the thing where he said he wants out. Yeah, and I know a lot of people like took a giant dump on Stephen A. Smith, but I'll, I'll just say this about that: <laughs> like, no one look. You can think he's an Stephen A. is an asshole. I get that, whatever. But that dude, no one is more powerful in the media in, in America today than that guy because he makes right. a ton of money. So him hearing something like an agent tells him something, and maybe he didn't flush out the source or like get a second source. He, he seemed to throw it out there like he did. Then he walked it back a little bit, but it has been a little weird, like in terms of, of that deni- dynamic between the two. But at the same time, it's like, where's he going to go? Like he's contracted in it's, it, the yeah. players have all the leverage. And it's like one of those things as, as a fan, it's like, why am I wasting my time? Really? Like, he's not going anywhere. You know, I, 
like what we're just it's a it's just mental masturbation at this point about yeah and you know at the end of the day i really don't think the team really much cares either you know what is relationship stefan's is with the media whether it's good whether it's awful at the end of the day who really gives a shit and probably to some extent the fans as well i guess and we'll talk about the the contract here too in a second but i guess the big question is this the the production falling off and the playoff disappearing acts and elimination games because that's what they've been statistically which you know i i look at a player like travis kelsey and this is what i'm talking about where some players are great regular season stars and they kind of fade away in the playoffs. Conversely, a guy like Travis Kelsey this year, all I kept hearing about how was how washed up he was. He's done. He's with Taylor. He's distracted. Uh, he didn't do shit over the last seven, eight games. And then the playoffs come time to ramp up because that's what Travis Kelsey does. Mm-hmm. Like that gear seems to be missing in the postseason from, from Stefan. How much of that is on him versus how much of that is on the offense, the quarterback, the coordinator, that's something we could debate to the end of the earth. But the numbers suck. I guess going into this season, this coming season, because I think we both agree he's not going anywhere this year. How concerned are you right now that what we saw last year in the back half was either an anomaly, just like I said, in-season coordinating changes, just some bad luck? Because you did bring up one more thing here, too. You brought up a great point. A couple of Josh Allen airmails on long passes where Stefan Diggs was literally wide open if those are better throws, Stephon Diggs has another 200, 250 yards and at least probably the Miami game. Out. Remember the Miami right. p- yep. finale? He, he was cooked, wide he open it. by 20 yards and Josh he missed cooked, him. He cooked yeah. Jalen Ramsey on that play. Yeah. So maybe those stats, again, one or two completions, better throws from Josh and maybe we're talking a different story. But how concerned are you right now going into this season? His age will be 31 years old. The wear and tear. Are you concerned that Stephon Diggs is falling off a cliff right now in front of our eyes? I wouldn't say falling off a cliff. That's a little bit like over the top. It's like Marvin Harrison at his final year where he fell off a cliff. Mm-hmm. I do feel like there is a there is a chance his production does go down because of his age. This it's it's we all know thirty years up. That's kind of when it's it starts dwindling down for wide receivers. It's it's been that way for a while. Mm-hmm. It's possible. Like I don't want to think. I don't think it's going to be like fall off a cliff. He's going to have six hundred yards receiving. And, and that sort of stuff. But, yeah, it could go down a little bit. Uh, you know, it's a concern. That's why it's a concern because he is older. I wouldn't say I wouldn't put that. And that's why you have to get more. Going back to what I said last week and the last 25 appearances of me on this podcast, get another wide receiver. <laughs> that way you have a backup plan in case he, he starts slipping up. And if you get another wide receiver, you won't believe it, but it's going to free up digs more because then teams will have to worry about that other wide receiver, whether it's yeah. Mike Evans, draft pick number one, draft pick number two. You ain't like, worried about yeah. Trent Sherfield. Yeah, like I don't need it. Yeah, no one's worried about Trent freaking Sherfield. No one's worried about like getting Gabe Davis, nine games, two catches or fewer. Like, right. come on. But I, I think it's there. It is there on the surface. Like, yes, you should. But that's why it's I don't think it's cliff like inducing like, oh, it's cliff. I think in another year or two. Think you still got juice? Yeah. I mean, he's he seems like he it's so weird. Like I said, that 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 last that first eight games, he was he was on fire. Then the coordinating change happened. I, I have I can't just see it. he just all of a sudden just hit a wall and like he just went. Well, like he's said, had four straight years. He's had 100 receptions. Four straight years, at least I think like eleven hundred yards. You, it's tough to really project it right now. But you look at the weapons, you look at the offense. You see, you see what you saw last year. You think he's going to have difficulty getting to say a hundred receptions for a fifth straight year? 
He might only because they. I'm curious to see what happens with Dalton Kincaid because he was really good. La- he, you know, he had what seventy catches? I think he had. Um, yeah. you know, and he, you know, he, he. I think he he missed it like a game or two from what I remember. I wish I had the stats in front of me, but he was slow start a little bit. But like, there might be other guys if they go wide receiver first round, which playing the god and football gods, all that. <laughs> yes, he could go down a little bit because he's gonna. It's gonna be more guys that it's going to spread around the field. And then that's when you get into more arguments where people might be like, well, he's, he's, his numbers are, he's obviously declining because his numbers are down where other guys are getting better. You know, it's I think feasible, that, it's feasible know. that he could have lower numbers, but still be equally as productive and dangerous out there and efficient for the bills. Sure. Even if it's going to be on fewer catches because of other guys, people, I know there's some people out there who still wonder about his contract. He's got four years left on his deal, including this coming year. He's not seeing all four of those years. But a lot of people want the Bills to cut Stefan Diggs right now. And I just want to let people know now, you look at the numbers here for, on his contract. If you were to cut him today through St. Patrick's Day, $31 million in dead cap space, negative $3 million in savings. So that shit's not happening. March 17th to June 1st, $50 million dead cap hit. Uh, negative $21 million savings. So clearly that's not happening. Stefan Diggs is not getting cut or not getting traded from now until June 1st. That's a hundred percent lock. Come June 1st, $8.8 million dead cap this year, $22 million dead cap next year. So 30 million total dead cap, but they would save $19 million against the cap. Kind of sensibly it's impossible for anything to happen before June 1st, but just for the sake of discussion here, Joe, June 1st, still very unlikely, but that's not impossible. A team eating $30 million over two years and saving $19 million on the cap for this year, although that savings would not come until June 1st. If he, for whatever reason, really wants out of Buffalo, and we don't know that right now, but if we if, if that's the case, it's possible, ain't it? Or no, not to you. I don't think it's possible, no. He's no? staying. He's staying. He's already said it enough. I, I don't want to, like, no, he's staying. It's, no. it's Open it shut. Staying. It should be open and shut. I agree. He's by the way. staying. I would not. The only thing I would say is I would not be shocked if they went to him just to be like, "Hey, will you take a little bit of a pay cut?" I don't know why. We I talked about that last week. And we talked about last week. That, that shit ain't happening. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's gonna happen. But like, no. he'll, but like, I could see them just going, "Hey, buddy, pal, eh, whatever." <laughs> but I, I, I think uh, we'll see. I, I think it's gonna be fine with in terms of up to, to that, but. It's a big year for it's a big year for for him, but I really hope they get him help. We always talk about getting Josh Allen help, get Stephon Diggs help in terms of get him another wide receiver to help, the, you know, like a legit one, not let's, freaking Gabe Davis. Let's talk a couple of I don't know, maybe Gabe Davis. Well, I I think Gabe Davis is still going to be a good player. I don't think it's going to be on the Buffalo Bills. I think his best days still are ahead of him. But- Bye, Felicia. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> potential like free agent receivers right now. Free agency starting in about uh, a week and a half, actually. So um, if we have a conversation two weeks from now, he might get some of that help. But anyway, if you want to go big game hunting, which I don't think the Bills financially are going to be in much of a position to do, but you, I know you're one of those guys who believes the salary cap for the most part doesn't exist and you can always kick the can down the road. If you're wondering, Mike Evans is, is a Big name out there, and oh my God, would he be a great fit for this organization? Uh, Calvin Ridley and Odell Beckham Jr. Those are your three high-priced 
free agents that'll be available. I know T Higgins and Pittman are, are two guys talked about, but I'm, I believe Higgins has already been tagged. I think Pittman's going to get tagged. I don't think they're going anywhere. Um, I just don't see that scenario, dude. But mid-range guys, Tyler Boyd's a name, Hollywood Brown from Arizona, uh, Darnell Moody from Chicago. And I actually have Gabe Davis as a re-sign among that. But I gotta get a sense that that's something you are not looking to, to see the Bills do. No, I'm sorry. I mean, I know... Look, as I said, Gabe Davis, I, I call D Gabe Davis the bill collector, which means he shows up once a month. And that's kind of what he, he's he been. You know, he's a guy who like comes in and he's like a stud for one game. And then you don't see him for like a month. And it happened a lot this season. And look, maybe it was offensive coordinator change. Like, hey, I can't I can't say that about freaking Stefan Diggs and not say it about him. You know, maybe that was part of like what happened. But it's just but he was inconsistent the whole year the regardless of who the coordinator was stefan's production was through the roof yeah, the first sure. 10 11 games but and then it fell off he's look i think gabe's a, a solid he's an okay player but just in this you day and age you, you need to do better like you just need you need to have you know they i i think about dalton kincaid like maybe dalton kincaid is going to be great like he had a nice season like i said they probably should have had dalton kincaid like two years ago that type because then it would have helped gabe davis to put Gabe Davis reminds me a little bit of like, think of it as think of like the Sabers from like after Drury and Briere left, and then they they said to us like Darcy Brigier were like Derek Roy, Tim Connolly, top twenty centers in the in the in the league or conference, whatever he said, and they shoehorned Tim Connolly on like the number two line, and they were like he's a number two center, and I remember like no he's not, he's like a third fourth guy, don't put this pressure on him, and he did he kind of faltered, he didn't get the job done he had maybe one good season as like their quote-unquote number two center and that's kind of how i feel like gabe davis was he was like the tim Connolly of like the wide receiving core which was like yeah in his slot when he was like a third fourth guy he was great like he got you know in that in that you know in that chief's 13 second game he was the third option really as a wide receiver like if you put like your depth chart it was it was Diggs, cole and him and like emmanuel sanders and like they they shoved them right back up to like this is this is gonna be your second best wide receiver you know your best your second best pass catcher you have to get mm -hmm. that like I think sometimes it gets con it gets con conflicted when you go hey your number two wide receiver should be better but then if you put number two wide receivers against Gabe Davis it's not that bad but my issue is he's 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 wanted as the number two best pass catcher. Which it could be a tight, and that's what he's been. Like he, they've counted on him to be the number two pass catcher. That's including tight ends. That's including running backs. Sure. And like over the years, that hasn't been that guy. Like it hasn't. Dawson Knox hasn't been. He's a guy I, I think gets, needs to get more of shit. To be honest with you, I, I'm giving a lot of crap to Gabe a little bit, but Dawson Knox was like non-existent this year. Like he was. Yeah. He I, he didn't do anything. He was no. wait. I, he was invisible. He was gone. You know, and like he took like when he came back, he took like, 40, 50 percent of the snaps. I saw that and like, I don't know what they're going to do. That to me is a bigger mystery of like, how are they, if they're going to, they seem like they're going to keep them, but like, how are you going to, I they told you this, they have to keep them. Yeah. Yeah. I, his, ca I, his cap. Yeah. He's yeah. Not going and anywhere. I, and I told you this last week that I really, I wonder if they're going to do 12 personnel again next year and just walk it back and go, Hey, like, we, we got new play calls, you know? Ken Dorsey, or not Ken Dorsey, Joe Brady was watching, like, the, the Patriots from 2012 with Gronk and Hernandez. We got oh, we got their plays. And, like, like what are you going to do? Like, you can't just – you can't have a, a – like, I'm – I the cap's fake. 
you know, sue me. Like, you know, I do. I will walk that back a little bit this year. I may walk it back a little bit. But, like, what are you going to do? You're going to have him sit on the bench, like, for half the time, and he's going to sit there and, like. Right. How are you going to do that? Like, how, as an organization, I mean, maybe they don't care. Maybe they'll be like, yeah, whatever. But I could see it to where if they try to get him on the field more, you'll get one of those things where people are looking at Dalton Kincaid snap counts and going, why are we lowering Dalton Kincaid snap counts to get Dawson Knox? On the field, because it does feel like to me, Kincaid's a better receiver than Dawson Knox. You know, I mean, Dawson Knox might be a better blocker, and he's you know a little bit beefier, I guess. But you know, they they have those guys there. You right. got two tight ends. Like, how are we going to use it? Are you going to go three wide receiver most of the time, and then da- you're going to interchange those two guys? It's I it's I I could see there being a little bit of an issue there with how they're going to manage those two tight ends because that's why I'm right. saying they might go back to twelve personnel again. Going back to to Stefan, I, I where I arrive at is I don't think he's washed up. I don't think he's falling off a cliff. I do think he's not the same player that he was in 2020. I think four years of, you know, taking a beating and stuff like that, his age take a little bit of a toll on you. I feel like the Bills are in a position right now where they need to use free agency and the draft to address receiver for two different ways. When it comes to free agency. As much as I love Mike Evans and them, we can forget about that. That's just not happening. I look at guys who, like, can you be an upgrade right now over Trent Shurfield? And can you stretch the field some? Because I think that's the one thing the Bills were lacking last year. Besides Gabe Davis, it just didn't do it enough. But a guy who's going to stretch the field and get down the field. And I look at a handful of realistic targets. These are guys that I think the Bills could be able to afford. Noah Brown from Houston is definitely one of them. I like him a lot. Uh, Josh Reynolds from Detroit is another guy. KJ Osborne from Minnesota. And uh, Nick Westbrook, Akeni from Tennessee. Kind of a Gabe Davis clone. Big guy, good run blocker, stretch the field, not the greatest route runner. But those are your maybe day one cop wide receiver two. And ultimately, hopefully you like that. You hope that they're going to be an Emmanuel Sanders type or better. All right. But to me, it's all about the draft. This has got to be the year. And I'm with you on this one. And I usually am not necessarily first round wide receiver because I feel like it's a deeper position. But this is the year, man. You got to go out and get a guy in the first round. A, he'll help you right away. B, I mean, the Bills started two rookies last year, Kincaid and Ty- Torrance, and they played well. So you're going to get a rookie. You can start him right away or he's going to certainly play right away. That's your right now motive. Going forward, this could be a potential replacement for Stefan. If he's not falling off a cliff this year, we might have this conversation a year from now where he does fall off the cliff, or he might get cut or traded at that point because the Bills can get out from that contract for a lot of money. You get a five-year guy at a rookie cost. I know you haven't, you're not a draft guy, so to speak, too much right now. I'm a anyway. draft guy when it's like two weeks and it's like out. Right. Yeah, so I know now, you don't know. But... I know you don't know a lot of the names, but I can tell you, man, Brian Thomas Jr. from LSU. 6'3", 209. He ran a 4'3'4 this weekend. Potential top 20 pick at this point now. And then that Xavier Worthy kid from Texas. I don't know if you heard about him, but 4.2140. He set the all-time record for the combine. Uh, he's six foot one, but he's only 172 pounds. Almost kind of like a Roscoe Parrish type. But the comparison I'm reading a lot of is by putting on five, 10 more pounds, this guy could be another Tyree kill. And I'm like, Wow. That's what the Bills are missing more than anything else, Joe. I go back to the Chiefs when they had Hill. Do you remember the Bills, Leslie Frazier, that defense? We would be scared shitless. Teams were scared shitless of trying to defend Tyreek Hill. 
Sure. The Bills, the Bills, that's what they need, man. You got Kincaid and Cook, Diggs, good route runners, good pass catchers, but nobody scares the shit out of you on this offense. That's what they need. Xavier Worthy, that's my guy right now. All right. Well, I mean, if he's... As Even I said, if you don't know about the player, but just that type of player, look, that, that's what they need, right? Sure. I, I Yes. Big play sounds great. I don't I don't want to get pigeonholed with a wide receiver in terms of like how is he going to fit this offense? I don't care if he can play the slot. I want the best all-purpose wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I don't care if, if, if I don't want to hear about like oh they can't draft this guy cuz he's he plays in the slot and then they, that they already have Shakir. No. Like you need the best wide receiver. I don't care where he can play on the field. Like you get him on the field. Like if 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 they if, they, if that guy is uh, uh, Tyreek Hill, possibly if he gains a little more fine, fine, yeah, take him. Um, I, I a deep threat would be great. You know, I, I think they need a lot of that. They needed a little bit of a deep threat. They could definitely use a guy who gets a guy yak yards. Sure, like it's they are. I am I am not about to fall in love with Shakir yet in terms of like I think he's had a nice month, but like I'm not even really counting on him in my opinion. Really? Now I say that in a yeah, he's a, he's fine. Like, okay, if you want him to be the third, the slot guy, fine. But I'm not like, again, get more guys into that fold. Like, get more options. You know, get a first and second rounder. Like, they're dying, man. Like, if you're going to go three, four wide receiver sets, they're dying. Like, get other guys. Like, don't, with Shakir, don't make the same mistake you made with Gabe Davis where you took, like, oh, he had this really great finish to the season. That's our number two guy, number two pass catcher. Don't do that with Shakir, okay? Like, he he can, fine, he can play, but you can still get another guy in there. Like, that's sure. what he does, or other guys. Um, I'll say this about the rookie thing, like, as you mentioned, Cyrus and uh, Kincaid okay. playing last year. Uh, I don't know if that's a slam dunk for this next draft class. We There are guys who have who haven't played their rookie years. You know, James Cook hardly played his rookie year. And right. I was like, I was like, hey, why is he not playing at times? I guess you could say because they had Singletary all, already, but and then they had Zach Moss and then Hines, you know, Naheem Hines came in and, you know, Elam like didn't play at all. Like he's, we're still on that, like, you know, on that whole, like, is he going to play ever for us? So I wouldn't count on the whoever they draft playing automatically. Like, you don't know. It's, it's case by case. There's evidence that they sit guys and there's evidence that they don't sit guys. So I don't know. I would like to, like, as you said, I would like to think that they're going to have the guy play. It depends what they do in free agency. If they get like a veteran, like out there, like a, who knows, like a guy, like, like a fringe guy who's like, Oh uh, yeah. He had like a, he had a 700 yard season. We'll say, I don't know. Yeah. Like John Brown kind of guy, like a guy they're going to play, yep. you know, modest sums. Then yeah, I could see them being like, yeah, we can we'll we'll slow this guy coming in here. Like they've done that before in the past. If they don't do dick in free agency and they go in with Shakir and and Diggs and like they sign a Sherfield guy again or something like that, then yeah, I could see the guy wide receiver starting right away. Like they 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 would have no choice. But you never know. Like they they are a mixed bag there. Like there are right. guys like I can't even remember. There were so many guys over the years who I remember when when they were say like who the healthy scratches were. They'd be rookies, and we'd be like, "Why is this guy not playing?" And like, like first round rookies, second round guys. AJ Epinesa didn't play that much his rookie year. He was a healthy scratch a bunch. And again, he, he kind of worked out. He, he was had a good year, but like, 
you have no freaking idea like how they're going to be with these guys. And so I don't want to automatically say like he's going to play right away. He should. Like, yeah, I think first rounders should play right away, but I'm not McDermott. And he does have a tendency. It's, it's, you can, you can lay it on. They could go through all those draft picks between like rounds. And it's really rounds one through two, like one to three, maybe one, definitely one and two. But there are guys who have set who just didn't really play right, right. away. And some guy, and some got in the field and they did, and they did their thing. And others we haven't really heard from at all. So I, I, I want, I want as many, I like when it comes to freaking going to a buffet, I want as many dishes as possible at wide receiver. Like, I, 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 I'm all in on that. And I think what you're going to see a lot of, and my last point on this is you're going to see a lot. And I've already seen it on, on social media where, you know, the, the bills, whatever the bills can't do, they can't reach for a wide receiver. Like if there's, if they're at 28 and there's a wide receiver who's ranked 38th on their draft board, but there's the defensive tackles 29th and he's there. Like they got to go for the defensive tackle. Like, First off, we don't know what their draft board looks like. Secondly, how big of a difference is there between like the 29th slotted guy and your 38th slotted guy? Is it that big of a difference, or are we just talking like they're like this? Yeah. You know, it sounds. And then I think we're going to get a lot of that leading into the draft. I already, I already have seen content guys planting those roots so they can piss off the wide receiver train that I'm on. You know, with wanting to be like, oh, they should go defensive tackle, or or what if this happens? Like these all, these all, these. These, these case scenarios where, like, Matt Miller, or I think it's Matt Miller, the guy, the NFL draft guy, did you see the yep. clip that Beauvais put where he was basically like, they need to get a wide receiver in this first round because there's so much. I read it as, like, they need to get a wide receiver in that round because there's so much talent there that will be there. And a lot of people, not a lot, but there are a few content bros who were just like, eh, like, if a deep, like I, I just explained it, like, like you go by the board, and if there's a guy at 20 – if your wide receiver there is ranked 39th on your board, you don't take a wide receiver because the defensive end is right there at who's your slotted as your 30th. And I get that to a certain extent, but my God, like they need a wide receiver desperately, people. Like desperately. Like, my God, they need it. Like, I know there's free agency, but holy crap, like, get it. Okay. It's not a giant reach, okay, between those two slots. And, you know, it's not. And, and then you're not going to know at the end of the day what their board looks like. They're not going to they're not going to come on and be like, "Oh yeah, we've got the wide receiver because we needed to reach for him and instead of the defensive lineman." They're not going to tell you shit. I would, I would say this when it comes to receivers. I agree about adding. I don't agree with you about Khalil Shakir. I, I do think Khalil Shakir has got some star potential there. I really like what I saw from him. That's not going to make me say I'm not interested in a guy who's primarily a slot guy because Khalil Shakir is already there. That's not what I'm saying. I look at these receivers and what they need. And without using specific names, I would say this. Free agency, the goal should be find a player on the level that somewhere between Emmanuel Sanders when the Bills signed him and maybe with the ceiling of what John Brown was when they signed sure. him. Realistically, on the free agent front, okay, on the draft front, I'm adamant as well that they got to take a receiver in the first round with the goal being you want that guy to be what you hoped Gabe Davis was going to be ultimately wasn't with any consistency but if you give me a an Emmanuel Sanders a guy who's maybe your fourth receiver in free agency but he could be your two when you need him to be you know if, if Diggs goes down rookies gets off to a slow start he can hold down the fort but the rookie class 
is where you got to go get the next star. You know what I mean? Like you're going to sign a free agent receiver. I don't think he's going to be a quote unquote star. Whereas the rookie class, and I wanted to throw one other name out there specifically. His name's Adano Mitchell from Texas. 6'3", 209, ran a 4'3", 5". Dude's a beast. There's going to be a minimum of six first rounders on wide receivers, at least. Maybe seven, maybe even eight, but there's going to be at least six. I think the big thing you have to ask is, do they trade down or trade up? No. Excuse me. You don't, you don't want them to, to use draft picks to go get a, a wide receiver earlier. I No, 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 no. You said trade down. I'm not. Oh, I'm sorry. Trade down. I'm, a, I'm for trading up. If the Bills are at 28 and say a Mitchell or Brian Thomas Jr., one of those guys are there and they really like them and they want to go from 20 to say 23, 24 to make sure you go get them. Yeah, that's what I meant. I yeah. am all for trading up. Sure. I'm not trading 10, 11 spots because I think this position is really deep. So I'm not going to give up like a, a second round pick or a first next year or anything like that. But I am all for going from 28 to, to 23, 24, 25. If it's going to mean getting a Thomas or a Mitchell or Xavier Worthy, somebody like that. They got to get much, their receiver. How much do you really trust this draft though at wide receiver? Like it feels like every other year it's like, this is a deep wide receiver class. This is deep, I, this class. And I, I'm always caught because people forget. Like, I was funny. I was thinking about, like, two years ago, it was supposed to be a really deep quarterback class. Five quarterbacks picked within the first 15 picks. And it was Trevor Lawrence. It was it was, it was was Zach Wilson. It was Lance. It was Mac Jones. And then, oh, the fourth one, the fifth one I'm escaping. It might have been, like, a, a not great guy. And it's not, like, a great – That's eh, like, it's No, I agree. Great, you know, but, like, they this said feels in like that a great year – This feels like I, a great I hope you're right. Class. I don't know. I wish – it's I, a great year I to would. need a receiver. This is a great year to need a receiver in the draft one. It seems like a really deep class. Guys are putting up big numbers, workout numbers, guys who look good on film. Alaya McConkie from Georgia is another guy, too. I'm telling you, there's seven, eight guys. Who's I'm going to write ball. this down and like I'm going to put this in like I'm going to write this and put it in like a, a safe where it's, I'm going to say this was the year that the, the wide receiver draft is super deep. And two, three years from now, I'm going to open up that safe and I'm going to be like, Okay, let's check these guys. Were the draft experts really right? And look, hey, I remember the Sammy Watkins draft class. That was a big wide receiver. Like that was Mike Evans, Landry was was there. A couple other guys, and they did okay. Eric Ebron was in there too, and he wasn't very good, unfortunately. He was mediocre. Right. But I, hey, look, if 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 this is the, the class to get it, then great. I'm I'm all for it. I will say this, like, yeah, I. I don't know if I want a, like a super veteran for wide receiver. If you're asking me, like, that's probably the cheap way to get it. Like in terms of money, I would like to get a guy like under, like under 30, maybe a, 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 like a, you mentioned Hollywood Brown. And that's a guy who hasn't really, he's been very inconsistent. I know. Cause I've had him on my fantasy team. You know, I don't know how much he's going to cost, you know, but that would be like a guy that's like, he's young still. And maybe he, like he takes the next step in his next. He contract. won't be cheap. Yeah. He probably won't be, or yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of guys. Maybe you're right in terms of getting. It can be doable right. though. I mean, look. Yeah, I think the Bills know I they think, need receiver help. They I, know yeah, it. I I am for them going defensive line, and I, I if you if if the if the beef bros want the beef up front, get it in free agency. Oh, okay, if, all right. The beef guys, beef like beef, fat beef guys. Beef I know what you mean. I know what you beef, mean. Yeah, if the beef if the, if the football guy wants, yeah, whatever. I'm just trying to be cute. Uh, get that. Get them in free agency. Because I said this last year, I, last week, that I think defensive line, when you draft them, it takes a little bit longer for them to develop. I still think they do have some youth there still, you know, with with, with Rousseau and Ed Oliver. Like, you have a young, like, one-two punch who are still in their prime. 
you can get like a, a veteran, like get a, a veteran. Sure. You don't need you don't, you don't need to get younger there. You have like an you have an heir apparent, like you have the Randy Orton and Triple H, like from evolution. Always a wrestling, always a wrestling got, Yeah, you got you got those two there. Where you have like a young, uh, you know, you got some young studs on each side of the ball, you know, and or on the defense and linebacker. You have Bernard. You have Bernard as the heir apparent to Milano. And then you have like the secondary, you have some young guys with the veteran people, sure. blah, blah, blah. Like you don't like, yeah, add a, you don't need more youth there. Really? you like, get a veteran defensive tackle, throw them in there, get a fat guy, call it a day. And yeah. And then I wide do. receiver get, you need youth at wide receiver, Brad. whatever, whatever, and whatever leads to the bills taking in receiver at, at number 28 or higher. I'm all for it. to conclude the Bills stuff here. Um, I'll say this. Usually I start doing mock drafts and then we, I do six weeks of mock draft shows and then a couple of days before I lock in. I'm like, a couple of days before the draft, I'm like, I'm locked in on this player. I can tell you right now, March 2nd, March 3rd, whatever the hell day it is, I'm locked in on the Bills taking a receiver and I've locked in on it either being Brian Thomas Jr. or Adonai Mitchell and I'll hear cases for Xavier Worthy. Those are my three guys. I want them right now. I don't need to wait any more mock drafts and processes. Uh, I don't know. Good conversation about Diggs, too. You know, like I said, we I think we both arrived that his best days might be behind him, but I don't think he's completely out of juice either. Uh, but the Bills need help. And hopefully we'll find out starting in a week or so if they're going to go out and get that with veterans, at least anyway. Before we get out of here quickly, uh, the Buffalo Sabres. Um, I'm going to turn my attention to them for a minute. They're playing right now, by the way. So Joe and I are taping this uh, on Sunday. And... um. So I, I can't speak on tonight's game. But coming into this game on Sunday night, the, the Sabres have been on a heater. They've won five of their last six, seven of their last nine. But they're still 10 points back in the wild card with 20 games left. So they're done, though. The postseason is done. Hey, what was what were the bill? Hold on. What were the Bills percentage, like the lowest when they were six and six for them? It was 15%. Playoffs? It was 15% on okay. the New York Times. That was the lowest. The Sabres okay. are at 1%. Just put that out there. The Sabres are yeah. at 1%. They're done. They're done. I thought it went up a little bit. I could have sworn I saw it go up. But Maybe a couple points, but they're done. Okay. So anyway, they won five of their last six going into this game on Sunday night. Does this hot streak give you more optimism about the team? And I know you follow them, but you don't follow them with the same vigor that you do the Buffalo Bills, of course. But I know you at least have your eyes on them and you watch sure. from time to time. Does this hot streak give you more optimism? Like, yeah, this is still this is a good team. Or... It just make you angrier that they kind of fell into this hole where it's the beginning of March and we're talking about the season being over already. Uh, does, does it just make you angrier that you finally see them playing like this? I wouldn't, as I said, like like last week, my because of my like having a baby and like I haven't been able to watch as much, so I, I can't say like they they've angered me that much. So I'm probably the wrong person, but I will say there is some optimism. Because look, all all season long, it feels like from what I've watched, like the power play was terrible. That's kind of held them down. Mm -hmm. The majority of their scores have not like, you know, hockey's weird. Sometimes you get hot one year. Like I, I can't explain it how Drew Stafford once scored 34 goals and then the next year he can't even get to the 20 for the rest of his career. It just happens sometimes in hockey. Uh, the thing that you can say, like if they can for next year, and yes, I'm looking for next year. If they can combine the scoring from last year with the goaltending from this year, they're a playoff team easily. You sure. know what I mean? And that's that's kind of where you have to look at it, where UPL has been pretty good. And that, that's one thing I'll say, like, you know, I was definitely in that whole – I wasn't in that, like, get rid of UPL guy like guy last year. A lot of people I felt, felt were 
and I was kind of like of the sense of like he's a young guy. Like goaltenders take a take time to develop. Like at least I like from what I've seen, like even the Sabres pipeline, Ryan Miller, Marty Braun, took them a while to like get their get their feel. So he's been great this year. Like he's like I said, but he's been good. You know, he's been much better than he was last year where we were like sure. dump this guy, throw him into Lake Erie. So I don't say like I angrily like if I say that I mean Gary about it that's fake like yesterday I watched like a period and a half and you know I saw I saw the third period where they scored a billion goals which against Vegas yeah, and that Vegas was awesome. yeah yeah you know that, there were some nice pretty goals there you're not wrong about you know, I don't think I don't think you're wrong about uh, them scoring more like last year and playing better de- or not even better defensively but just just the goal getting the goal better. yeah they just they just need to get the scoring back you know what but, they did last year but. You're not, and, and again, I suppose it all goes hand in hand. But to me, the biggest thing, this team wants to be a playoff team. To me, it's even more simple than that, or at least simple in theory. And that's, they got to freaking play better at home, dude. They stink at home. They've stunk at home the last couple of years. Um, they're 14, going into this game again Sunday night, which they're up, by the way, the Sabres are up right now in the second period as we're recording this. But they're 14, 16, and one at home this year. So they got a losing record at home. Last year, when they fell two points short of the playoffs, they were three games under 500 at home. They're not good at home. Low energy in the building. The building is often dead, but for a good reason. It was it was lively the other night. I it can. We saw yeah, it can. yeah. But but my point is, this is a team that needs to learn how to play better at home. And I know they're young and they got distractions off the ice and yada, yada, yada. We talked about that last week. But if this is going to be a playoff team, they got to win at home. They got to perform better at home. And I guess the last question is, do you you look at this team right now? Are they good enough to just kind of ride this process out or come off season? You say, why are they not playing better at home? Why do we get off to so many slow starts? Why do we go two and nine between November 11th through December 5th, which kind of put them out of it? And do we change the head coach? Or do I still have confidence in Don Granado? And let's see what he could do next year, which by the way, he's got an extension that hasn't even kicked in yet. But do yeah, you, he's do not I mean, getting he, rid of him. He's not going to get, they're not getting rid of him. I, no, I don't you don't think, think they so? are. No, I think, I think Terry, I think Terry views the hockey. He's done firing people unless they really, really mess up. But I think so, some of it is economics. I think some of it is also the past where they fired a lot of people, even though they should have fired them. But I feel like he's, he's, they're, they're going to wait it out a little bit unless they completely collapse down the stretch and go into hell. Um, they have a plan. Like they, they. I just saw like that. Like this week, they had like the number one prospects of the freaking NHL. It's every year like, with this team, though. But yes, you're right. But I think what they feel like, oh, we have these young guys going to come up and they'll take over slots and 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 that sort of stuff. You know, I, I. If anything, if there's any frustration, I can understand. It's like, you know, Kevin Adams just hasn't traded anyone. Like it's been the same roster. Like you know, since Jack Eichel left, you know what I mean. He hasn't really done much. He adds like the he 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 tinkled like you know, Johnson has been terrible. They're the blue line guy, like you know, from what I've watched and read about it. So I, I don't know what they're gonna do in the off season. I think they're gonna run it back, and they're they might just say like injuries were an issue with Tage going down. Maybe they're gonna say some those lines, but. I don't think they're going to fire any. I don't think they're going to fire people. I really don't. They, I think, you know, the, the this, I just, I think they really like their core and they like what they, they got here with these guys. And, you know, the, the whole thing with at home, like, I have no idea why they're terrible at home. I, I don't know. It's been that way. It's because there's not of energy. There's not enough energy in that building because they, they're getting off the shitty starts, which goes back to me. I don't know. I don't know about the energy. 
I don't know about the energy in the building. I mean, it's I, a, I've heard from many people who cover the team, and it's not sources because they say it publicly all the time. Sure. Guys like Harrington and Jurgen and them, they talk about the, the the energy being really low in the building because they're well, not the, playing the, well. The at players, all. well, the players got to be better. I mean, my God, the, the best, the Josh Allen's best year happened when there was no fans in the building. Yeah, like what, I, you're going to tell me like, oh, like I, like give them something to cheer for, but. I don't know. Go back to white home uniforms like they used to do back in our childhood. Like, I don't know. Try try that sort of stuff. I, I think they're going to run it back, too. I, maybe they get another defenseman or something like that. Something small, nothing big. But it comes down to is Granado the coach to, to get this team to play eight to ten points better at home over the course of a season? Because if he is, then you keep him. If he's not, it's, then you got to find a coach who can get these young guys more discipline or whatever it takes for them to play better at home. They're a different team at home than they are on the road. It's obvious the locker room really likes this guy based on sure. Harrington's report. And I mean, Terry Pagula likes anyone. I feel like if you nice got Harrington him, on the price, by the way, cheap plug here. I got Mike Harrington coming on the show on Wednesday. So I'm looking forward to. Can I come on? I want to talk to Mike. I want to ask Mike, why does he hate Chad Dominicis so much? Why is he always <laughs> trolling him and like yelling about him every time on Twitter? And why did he block him? If you want to ask him from me, Joe from Queens, you know him, wants to know why did you block Chad Dominicis? Like, please ask him. <laughs> ask him from me. Just like, look, Joe wants to know. Blame him. He's an ass. You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> All right, Can I just talk. say one, one real Go quick ahead. thing? And this has Go nothing ahead. to do with this. So, so this book, if you're watching the video, it's Bills 101. Okay. Mm -hmm. It is a like guide that you would read to your baby about how the football works. Like 10 players on the field, 11, not 10 players, ugh, 11 players on the field, et cetera, et cetera. So at the end of this book, and I realized this the other day, it goes over the championship bills. Okay. It goes the 64 to AFL championship, the 90 AFC championship, the 91 AFC championship, and the 93 AFC championship. It says championship games. At the top, we're missing 92 championship AFC. Really? Why? I don't know why I've discovered this, and I'm I don't know who Mickelson Entertainment is. It was copyrighted in 2021, but I don't know why we're missing a championship in here. The <laughs> Miami one. So if you're out there, my it's my first team board book. If you're the author, I, I'd like someone to message me because I'm going to have to read this to my son and go, oh, let me make a buffalo symbol for 92 and when they squish the fish because it's not in this book. And I don't <laughs> know why. So anyway, sorry. Go ahead. All right. Well, okay. hey, we're going to end. We'll All end right. the show there with some controversy. I want to get out of here because I want to get this episode up and done. Plus, I want to watch Sting's final AEW match. Oh, well, maybe we'll, next week we'll... uh. We'll talk about that. We'll get into some wrestling talk because WrestleMania is around the corner. A lot of good things going on with the bloodline, Cody Rhodes, all that stuff. We'll say you that. bought a $55 hoodie of Roman Reigns, for God's sake. So you're back I'm gonna in. Wear it. I'm going to wear it soon, man. So <laughs> you're back in. Yeah. Uh, all right. Make sure you follow Joe on Twitter at Buffalo Wins, and I will be back with a brand new episode tomorrow. I'll talk to you then. <laughs>